We're back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Kat Loco, and tonight with me in the shadows, of course, are Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. They'll be back on the show in a little bit after we talk to our lovely artists and writers tonight. So, little social media news for everyone. If you can access it, of course, you can find us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram, and of course, please send us your hometown haunted stories at hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. We're waiting to hear from you. Also, we're an official podcast that can be heard on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and SoundCloud. Thank you, Jen. Find us by searching for the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities, and please rate and review us there so other spooky and weird history lovers just like you can find us. Link in the show notes. Also, we have information about our Kickstarter. Very quickly, Christina has run away. But we went on a ghost hunt last week, and we're going on another ghost hunt this week. So we're just, just call us the Ghostbusters. I had something weird rub on my leg at the other place, and it it was weird. But we'll tell you more about that in an upcoming episode about our Kickstarter. And Christina would be very mad if I forgot about this part. The Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Issue 2 Trails, Trains, and Terror just launched today. Today we're recording on October 4th. The comic anthology covers five locations around the tri-state region of the metropolitan Cincinnati area. Along And we talk about the folklore and weird histories associated with them. Such as The Ghost of the Sorg Opera House, A Haunting Tale from the Chillicothe Gazette, two stories featuring the Crosswick Monster and the, and the Screaming Bridge of Maud Hills Road, and not to be forgotten, Christina's story with Jeff Cease, the famed psychic Laura Pruden, and the invention of the Magic 8-Ball. It's a wonderful, weird history portion. I I entertained a postal, gen, postal employee with the story of the Magic 8-Ball this week. It was fun. <laughs> We have a variety of pledge tiers available to you. Anything from a digital copy to the original cover art canvas done by David Michael Beck. Yes, that David Michael Beck. Successfully funding the Kickstarter means the Queen City's weird history and folklore continues to be preserved by local artists who are being paid fair wages for their work. We do have plans for a third issue. Seed money for that will also be raised during this Kickstarter. Find it or yeah, find our Kickstarter with our link in the show notes or just search for the Cabinet of Curiosities over at Kickstarter right now. Speaking of which, the two artists that we have on the show tonight participated in this anthology and are here to chat about their work this week. We have Aziza and Inky who wrote and illustrated the Crosswick Snake piece. Hello, welcome to the show. So yeah, thank you for sitting through all of that. That, that was a marathon. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you both on the show to talk about the Crosswick Snake. And did you learn about the Crosswick Snake doing this, this piece? Is this all yes, new to you? Definitely. I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> it was one of those hidden gems that 
I think I was pointed to when I, I try to find weird monsters whenever we're, this is behind the scenes stuff, way before our artists sign up, for those of you who are interested, Christina and I sit down and go, what can we write about? And I'm like, I have to find some cryptid that has to beat the Loveland Frogman. But who? Who will do this? The Grassman? It's just Bigfoot. He's just a foot shorter. Like, I don't know what to do. So we found the Crosswick Snake, I think, through our friend James Willis, and who wrote Weird Ohio, which is a big, big tome of Weird Ohio history and monsters and ghost stories. And he found it. It was like, hey, have you written about this? Not many people do. And then you chose to write about it. And I love your treatment, Aziza. So can you introduce yourself, Aziza, to everyone? And then Inky will have you introduce yourself and what you do. Oh, well, I'm Aziza, the graphic novelist, and I am a indie comic writer. I've been on the scene for about two years now or yeah, I celebrated a year in July, which is crazy to think. Um, but I really just enjoy writing thriller mystery novels and I'm an indie, uh, self-publisher at the moment. So currently published my first comic last year called The Kaiman's Cry, which is a short story that's available on Comicsology. And then I'll be releasing a couple of more stories, um, later on this year. So that's just a short blurb about me. Inky, how about you? Um, I'm Inky. I'm a comic book artist, um, and I'm currently so I I publish my own web comic. I self publish my own web comic with along with my cousin, who is the writer. It's called Fates, um, and it's free to read. We're thinking of moving it to like you know webtoons or tapas just for ease uh, to reach a wider audience. Um, and I'm currently working as um, a contractor for an animation company. Ooh. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I draw backgrounds. <laughs> Still exciting, though. I always yeah, admire no, backgrounds really in animation. Yeah, it's really fun. I have a good time. Oh, that's good. That's that's fun. Animation is a hard but good job. Yes. <laughs> yes. We happen to know a lot of animators. Just like comics creators and animators tend to always hang out together. So yeah, that's great. That's really cool. So. How did you get involved with comics in general? For me, I remember very specifically, I hadn't really read a single comic in my life until I moved to the United States from the Dominican Republic. And in something that helped me learn English was reading. I spent most of my time in the library. And I remember this little girl came up to me and saw me reading this one book that had pictures in it. She was like, oh, you like book with, books with pictures? And I said, yeah, I love books with pictures. Who doesn't? And she was like, what about books that's all pictures? And I was like, shut up, where? <laughs> and she took, me, she took me to this like back corner of the library that was kind of hidden. And it was this little corner and it had like two sections, like two bookshelves and it was full of comics like in a full of manga, like Usagi Yojimbo, um, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, like everything. And I remember picking up um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind by Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, cool. That changed my mind. My mind was blown. And I remember, I remember scanning the cover of the second book and being like, 
this is what I want to do. And I scanned it, I printed it out and I put it in like my binder for school. And I looked at it every day and, I'm, and I still have it. I still have that printout from when I was 10 years old. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to make comics. <laughs> oh man, that's a good origin story. <laughs> Aziza, and, yeah. how did you get, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you I off. No, no, you my story is not nearly <laughs> as wonderful. I honestly, um, I'm a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan and he has a comic. So when I was a kid, of course, I wanted to read the Sonic the Hedgehog comics, and that kind of led into Archie comics. So as a kid, I read quite a few of those in Marvel and DC and Image. And I eventually kind of, as I grew up, stopped reading comics for a while. Um, I think just because I always heard about DC and Marvel. But then I had a friend that I met about seven years ago. And she was like, you know about the indie comic scene, right? Like you can get way more like diversity in terms of stories and characters. And I was like, no, I didn't know that was a thing. Tell me more. And ever since then, I've kind of just been really in love with comics. I have a whole bookcase full of it. And over time, I kind of decided I want to start writing my own comics. So that's kind of how I got back into comics when I got a little bit older. Yeah, those are two good stories, though. (laughs) You can't escape comics, man. Once you're hooked, like you're hooked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about indie comics, you're right, Aziza. There's a lot more just diversity represented in indie comics. Like, personally, I never really floated towards the American big three comics, DC, Image, and Marvel, because I was just like, I don't look like any of those people. Like, I'm short. I look like a hobbit. (laughs) <laughs> like nothing I no, just no and and I wasn't interested in the stories either but indie scene you got everything it's wonderful and this is we're right off of uh cartoon crossroads Columbus too so that that was a wonderful indie fest please apply if you haven't yet I think I think you would do really well there are you both going to do any more projects together because i loved how you worked together i would love to continue to work with aziza i had a good time i've always said i i i've said it i told her i was like oh my god i love working with her like she gives me good feedback <laughs> it, it was nice working with aziza yeah it's really as i smack the microphone it's always good to have a good partner that you were able to communicate with easily and quickly because yeah your comics are always changing especially if you're working with editors or if you're just even editing it yourselves because like I work by myself and I have to always shove it at other people and be like hey be my comic (laughs) I wrote something new but at least with you two working together you're able to just kind of soundboard off of each other yeah no, definitely. And, and I really do like getting feedback. And it was nice because anytime Aziza would ask for changes, the way she would ask for them, I was like, oh my God, you are right. Why didn't I think of that? Or man, I should have done that from the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was really nice to work with her. Yeah. yeah. Lex did an amazing job. I sent over the script and I remember her sending back the first couple pages and thinking, oh my gosh, this is perfect. <laughs> So it was well, I, I kind of had that same response when I looked at the artwork and read your copy. And I was just like, this works. This is chef kiss. Mwah. 
it oh. works because you got this wonderful, I would almost say Twilight Zone-esque version of the Crosswick Snake, which I found delightfully refreshing because it needed something besides the retelling. I'm sorry, Steve. You did a great job too. I love the cryptid support group. It's a wonderful treasure on its own, but I like the new take on this, but you managed to still get the snake to be perfect to detail as it's described in the Cincinnati Enquirer article from 1882. That, I attribute to Aziza because one of the things I mentioned um, is that, you know, one of the other questions you guys had asked, like, not in the podcast. But one of the things that Aziza did that I thought was flipping amazing was she had compiled a list of references for me. And one of the references was this old school clipping from a newspaper that actually had a drawing of the Crosswick snake monsters. And that's what I based my design off of. Yeah, I think we have that saved in our drive. Like the gigantic treatment you sent us, Aziza. That was, (laughs) I am going to more flattery is coming towards you. Ready for this? I was so impressed with the treatment you sent me with like the character morgue of how everyone is supposed to look in this. And I was just like, yes, I can imagine exactly how this is going to sound or look when I read this because I can see how you wanted all the different characters. And they translate really well to the panels. And for our listeners, I highly suggest that you listen to this on YouTube because we will have all of these images up on uh, the during our chat. So then you can see Inky's wonderful artwork and Aziza's wonderful copy or text. So I like it. It works really well. It's smooth. I like how you have the very subtle panel breaks. Like, like I'm looking at the, the monster and it's, there's, the scratch sound effect and it's just slightly hanging outside the panel which I like because visually it just breaks up everything and you kind yeah. of see the chaos happening that way so I, I you know I, I I found I discovered you know those like tiny panel breaks um during our previous projects and I was just like that is one of those things that I was like yeah I'm doing this <laughs> like any chance I get I'm doing it it's I, I definitely like- Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's definitely, I'm just so jazzed to be talking about panel breaks. (laughs) Comic artist, man. Uh, It's definitely a manga thing. It's something that started with manga and then went to Franco-Belgian comics. And now we're starting to see it more with the uh, New World comics, I would say. North American, uh, maybe with just these little subtle breaks. I'm sure Christina can find somebody back in the history of new world comics that has done that though i'm sure somebody has so did you learn anything fun while working on this project um anything interesting for me it was just mostly the snake and the lore surrounding the snake and sort of like the panic that it created back then i thought i was really interested i was like man some poor snake terrorizing this entire town and doesn't even know it yeah how about you Aziza I ended up learning a lot about Waynesville actually so when I first um, read the article that inspired the story 
I remember thinking, how did I live in Cincinnati all my life? And I've never heard of this. Like Waynesville is literally where the Renaissance Festival, I think is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go up there literally every year and spend multiple weekends there, but I've never heard the story. So I started kind of doing some research and I ended up learning a lot of like the history of Waynesville, the founder, like the Quakers used to live there and how there's different parts of the town. And it was actually really interesting just because it's one of those parts of history that even though I'm from, I mean, Waynesville is like an hour from where I live. You would think, you know, growing up in Ohio, going to the Ohio school systems, some kind of this information, you know, shared at some point and I didn't know any of it. So um, that was kind of the fun part about writing the story is once I learned the history, kind of blending that into the story. So it gave it more of like an authentic and realistic feel. Um, So it was really fun. Yeah, it tied it in really well. Like you said, it gave it much more of an authentic, organic feel to the story, which is when you're writing horror and sci-fi, you need those little ties back to things that the reader can associate with just to give that fantasy aspect or the shock aspect more of a punch. So this worked really well here. The thing I also love, I don't know if you wrote about this in the treatment between you two, that there were more sightings of the snake after this incident. Did you know that? I did not. There were two more. There was allegedly there was one before this incident that they briefly make a comment about in a throwaway line at the top of the article because they say there are tales about the the cross not the crosswalk monster but the, the snake they just refer to it as the snake and then it goes into the actual news article about it but in caesar's creek and in lebanon along the little miami river it was witnessed two other times And it just freaked out, of course, all the residents of those places as well. And those aren't necessarily close, like by walking or swimming to where um, Crosswick and Waynesville is located. It's a little further east and a little further south of where uh, Crosswick and Waynesville are. So I I always like that is that uh, it was seen again and it wasn't necessarily in association with this report either. Like by the time it was seen again, this report had come out and people had forgotten about it again. And, and then it was witnessed. So oh, that was fun. That's a fascinating tidbit. Yeah. That's really neat. Just because I remember again, reading the article, I just remember being really shocked and being like, so where is this thing now? Like did it just disappear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, literally just went further south. Like, is it out there now? If it made it into the Ohio River, it's Godzilla now with like three arms (laughs) because and just terrorizing the banks of the mighty Ohio River. Yeah, it's the Ohio River's not clean for those of you who aren't around here. So, yeah. yeah, I just love the story. I love the take on it. I have nothing but good things to say. So, yeah. yeah. Are you excited about working on your next projects? Yes. yes. Actually, I would like to hear both about your potential webtoon. I'm pointing because this is where each of you are on the screen. And <laughs> this, is, this is not the buddy Jesus thing. <laughs> pointing. 
Um, and then also about your projects, Aziza, because I read uh, the Cayman's Cry today. I got it off of Comixology. Everyone, you can get it off of Comixology. It's fun. It's a fun read. So where did you get the idea? I'll start with you. Where did you get the idea for those stories? Um, so for the Cayman's Cry, it's actually, I have a very active imagination. And um, I work a typical nine to five. I don't get to create full time. And every time I would come home, I inevitably like end up sitting on my couch and I'd waste the day away. And so I used to always joke that like my couch is a siren and it just has like <laughs> these powers that always like lure me to its couch and um, to this, you know, cushions and I never get anything done. And so um, eventually I kind of started thinking, what would be such a cool story if I made like a story that was about a siren that mixed it with technology. However, the more research I started doing, um, Siren is, you know, more Greek mythology. Greek mythology gets used all the time. So mm-hmm. I started trying to do um, some more research and trying to find uh, cryptids or, you know, creatures from other countries. And that's when I discovered the Cayman from South Africa. So once I discovered that creature, I did some research to make sure it wasn't a deity, <laughs> it wasn't stepping on anyone's toes, <laughs> it was respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that creature has similar abilities to a siren that, you know, it uses voices to lure you in and it can kind of mess with your mind. So that's kind of where that idea came from was mixing real life problems, right? Like you, so many people can relate to, you know, working all day, coming home and then just never finding the energy to do the things you actually want to do mm-hmm. um, and that tech, you know, with technology and an actual mythical creature from, um, south african uh mythology yeah i liked it it was a good good story it was well built out in the amount of pages that you used sorry this is editor cat coming out and reviewing everything i'm sorry (laughs) but i I liked the addition of the Cayman, and i tangentially knew about it just from knowing cryptids It, it for those of you who haven't seen the way that you do decrypt decrypt it no no (laughs) describe it and show it um on the pages it looks like a techno mermaid (laughs) yes yeah coming out i was like where is the nearest rave it just kind of thumbs out it feels like edm music should be coming out it very and i like the fight scenes that your illustrator used because it was a different illustrator correct um, um, Richardson was the one who um, illustrated the Kindness Cry. They do very good fight scenes. I was super impressed. I felt like I was reading an episode of, or a magazine of Shonen Jump. I was like, these are really good fight scenes. I enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, fight so, scenes are hard. Fight scenes are freaking hard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Ah! At least like this the crosswick snake and the crosswick monster like you do have a chase scene which is good but yeah the if you try to choreograph a fight scene i don't know how you would have fit it in <laughs> it's tough because you have to do because you don't want to just be like the two angles right so you have to like, mm-hmm. figure out mm-hmm. different points of view and i appreciate all you artists i can't draw a circle so <laughs> that is a lot of work there's days where I can't either. So <laughs> it is. Yeah, but it's I don't know. I, I think I it's fun because in order to at least for me, what I do whenever I have to do a fight scene, I just watch a bunch of like MMA clips. 
Yes. Or karate yeah. clips. That's fun. Yeah, karate. Yeah. And I use there's a huge on Pinterest, you can get just a huge reference morgue of like different fighting weapons. I love that. So Ooh. that's a very handy. So Inky, you do a comic. Could you tell me about that? Yes. So the comic is titled Fates. Um, there's three issues out right now. They're all on our website bartravelercomics.com for free um, and they chronicle the adventures slash misfortune of um, multiple characters that exist within this sort of parallel world called the land of O. Uh, we, we have an Instagram where we sort of release lore because my cousin's been writing this for a long time so there's plenty of lore. It's a sort of pretty complicated world that he's kind of created just because he's been working on it for a long time um, but basically it chronicles the adventures of uh, a few people from different planes that find themselves in this world trying to stop this evil warlock from basically doing whatever he wants and wreaking havoc everywhere yeah it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a revenge story too it sounds like a fun old RPG from the early 90s. Yes. Um, my mm, cousin. That's actually, the sense I get. We were talking about, um, you know, how he came up with the idea for it. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the RPG um, tabletop game World of Darkness. No. And it's a really old school storytelling RPG from like the late 70s. Like they they're out of print. Um, hey, Christina, do you know this game? <laughs> Come to the light, Christina. <laughs> oh no! Yes, she said yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he used the planchette um, points to yes. <laughs> so the first book to come out was World of Darkness. Um, and one of the other books to come out in this RPG series is called Changeling, which and in, in, it entails a, a fae deity sort of taking a human as a slave and the human is able to return to like the human plane and like be a human but at any point in time the fae can come back and be like you're mine come on let's go back home um yeah white wolf publishing exactly yeah so that's he used the the rules in the RPG book said to sort of get his mind started on this sort of story about a guy who is under the command of this warlock creature, weird, slimy, lizard-looking man. And then he gets taken back to this other world. But yeah, it's a lot. That's why I was like, let me not. <laughs> let me not. But you know, the three issues are out and they explain for the most part what's going on. Um, and then upcoming issue, issue number four is sort of when the story really starts because we, because everything is so big, I guess, mm -hmm. um, we really needed those three issues to establish, okay, what's going on. Yeah, I, I was looking it up. It reminds me of the King's Quest video games, which are pretty retro now but yeah webtoon would be a good place for you to put that like a nice long form graphic novel perfect place for webtoon um 
I use Webtoon. It has a huge user base, that and Tapas. So, yeah, I have yeah. a friend actually, um, Seth Smith, who writes um, Hellbound. Hmm. And yeah, I, I saw like how much engagement he was getting. He was like, dude, Webtoons is where it's at. And I was like, it is. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's switch. It's a good place to go. I, I, I put all my series on there. You're talking about doing that really long epic story. And I'm like, I've written a long epic story. Those are hard to get right and keep up the momentum while writing. But I will definitely look into Fates when it comes out on Webtoon. Thank you. (laughs) And Aziza, you're working on another piece that comes out later this year or has it already come out? It'll hopefully be releasing in November. Uh, it's called The Locket of Devise. And it's actually um, my last one shot story. And it's um, about a tiefling who basically discovers a dark family secret. So um, mm. it's being uh, drawn by Kuyuki Panda. And I am super excited to, um, to, re- to be releasing it. Um, all of my stories kind of have a twist. And I remember when she was reading uh, the outline in the story, she was like, I thought I knew what how this is going to end. And he caught me completely off guard. And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's yeah, you I do think. good twists. You do good twists. Yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> I just, that's um, how I my games and everything like that. So my writing style, of course, reflects that. Yeah. And uh, I like it. I Both of you keep up the good work. It, it's it was fun working with you on this project and I'm looking forward to seeing everything you produce from now on. So let us know, keep us in the loop too. So we can mention it on the podcast. With that said, we're going to move on to our spooky side and ask what kind of spooky things have happened to you? Hauntings, weird history, weird things happening in your neighborhood growing up. Like I know we, we were talking a little bit before the show, Inky, about your mom <laughs> and the things that happened at one of your homes. Yes. So when I was very, very young, my brother had just been born. Um, my mom had to have a priest come and perform an exorcism in my brother's room because um, apparently, so my mom back then um, was a practicing medium um, and she would have these dreams that would tell her things. Um, And in one of these dreams, she kept having these recurring nightmares about a dark spirit or entity really claiming that it was going to take my brother as, it it was demanding my brother as payment and that the room that my brother was in was sort of ripe for 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 that monster to be able to reach and you know reach my brother um because my mom's grandmother um practiced witchcraft um and it's yes it's part of the family lore that um she had made a deal with some sort of entity uh to sort of do a protection spell over the family um, and it, 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 it was supposed to last several generations and it, I think it's supposed to end with my brother and I's generation. Um, like the spell of protection mm-hmm. kind of ends here. Our offspring would, wouldn't technically be protected. 
Um, so my mom believed that that entity was that entity that my great grandmother had made contact with demanding my brother as payment for this sort of deal that my great grandmother had struck. So my mom underwent this entire quest <laughs> to sort of free my brother and I from this uh, pact that my great-grandmother had done. So the exorcism was a part of that. Uh, my mother took me and my brother to church. Um, we were baptized. Uh, my mom specifically uh, devoted me as a child to um, one of the, the virgins, like the virgin, like the depictions of the Virgin Mary, uh, typical to the island, um, La Virgen de la Tagracia, it's called. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a whole lot. I think my favorite, when I asked my mom about this, she told me the whole story. And I think one of the things that I remember very clearly was she told me that her great grandmother had this depiction of Jesus, this like little icon picture, but that my mom felt it and knew that it wasn't of God, that it was some sort of other entity and that that was it, because it was part of my great grandmother's altar that my mother had taken it. She wanted to get rid of it. She asked one of her friends to come pick her up in his motorcycle. He drove her to the cliffs because the city of Santo Domingo, it's, it faces the ocean and the ocean cliffs. He took her there and she said she threw the picture frame into the water and that the water created a whirlpool and that the the picture fell into the whirlpool and she was like it was like the ocean sucked it up and I was wow. like yeah and I was like mom you're joking she's like I'm really not making this up like my mom really did not she did not want to she didn't even want to tell me this for like the longest time I really had to nag her for years be like mom 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 so come on explain and she finally did. And she's told me a story. And I thought it was a cool thing. I would love to sit her down again and be like, can I make a comic, mom? Because <laughs> it's it's really cool. Of her, like her other experiences, not just this. Um, but yeah, that's my, my little family spooky experience. I was really little. So I, I honestly don't remember anything. But wow. Lore. It's still a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. like a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Or creepy vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel bad for your mom just because, like, I've seen things and it's really unsettling sometimes. And I can definitely empathize with looking at an icon of something and going, um, that's that there's a different meaning here going on. That's not what that is. It, it's trying to be like subtly trolling everybody. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I definitely like the idea of her throwing it into water because that helps. Like you can also bury it. Burning it won't help. So throwing yeah, it in water was threw smart. it into the ocean. She, yeah. she said that she knew what she had to do. She said yeah. that she knew that she had to throw it into the ocean, that that was the way to sort of neutralize it, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just imagine all the sharks, like the little <laughs> icon floating down, just like in the little mermaid. And it's just like, what is this? And it's just landing and sand covering it up. Yeah. So, Aziza, do you have any weird history, haunted <laughs> tellings? <is> that. 
<laughs> that was a hard one. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, which is funny though. I feel like I should have way more stories because I went to Ohio University. Oh under- yeah. You'd think I would have way more. <laughs> Didn't Satan himself come and wake you up for finals? That's what no. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's he was a slacker because I didn't miss my finals actually <laughs> freshman year. So no, I think the only story I can think of now was my freshman year. We were, um, there was the room above us. You'd always hear like the scratching and we thought, why are they always redecorating? It would always be at like two in the morning, three in the morning. And so finally, when everyone decided, you know, you pack up and you leave for the, the year, we were like, we're going to go see what these people's room looks like because they've been redecorating all year long. So we walk up there, we, we knock on their door, they open their door, their entire floor was carpeted, meaning all the scratches, all the noise we heard couldn't have come from them. And so we're just kind of like, oh, we were coming to see your room, but you have carpet. And they were like, yeah. So what what was this about? We're like nothing. Never mind, because it was me and my roommate. He went up to confront them and see their room, and it was just like, oh crap! I'm glad we're moving out today. And that's when we found out that um, basically all the scratch marks we had heard all year long were something. You don't know what. I don't want to know to this day. <laughs> I like just leaving it in the past. But um, that's the only scary story I, I really have. I try to avoid scary things. Which is ironic since I write scary stories. I'm like R.L. Stein. My paranoia is what feeds my <laughs> my horror, not my actual. Good experience. reference. <laughs> yeah, like I can't. I write horror and supernatural and dark fantasy, and I cannot watch horror movies. I have never seen Friday the Thirteenth. I've only read about it on Wikipedia. Like the Saw movies, no, and mm-hmm. any like the worst I get is Beetlejuice. Like oh, wow. Hocus Pocus, Beetlejuice, anything super campy, that's my jam. Once you start losing pieces of your body and blood starts spurting out, <laughs> you, I'm out. I'm done. I'm like, see you. I'm going to go get some popcorn and leave. So, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like there's one thing of like appreciating horror and another thing of like putting yourself in horror situations. Right. <laughs> Yeah, once you've been in horror situations, you can't do a fun house anymore. You're just like, no, like, uh, so, yeah. So with that, Christina and Jen, please come back to us. Come back to the light. I summon you. That was one creepy Ooh. story. Lex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to make a suggestion. Inky, is your mom still, she's still alive? Yeah, she is. Record her stories with your phone. Yeah. Record it, record it, record it, just so you have it for always and always, and you can play it for future family members if you ever need to, because that is a fascinating story, and you don't want to lose that. There's (laughs) there's even a bunch of stuff that I didn't say because I was like, I can't take up all the time on this, (laughs) this family epic. Um, but no, it's certainly something that I really want to do and really should do is record yeah. that, chronicle it. Yeah. We could always do a special episode. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 because, because there, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of material here and, and, um, 
you know, just uh, we've had talks before about running water and how it can, you know, how its relation to, um, you know, spirit and, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so much stuff here, um, you know, and, and you said you had not, you did not consider yourself sensitive or do you feel, did you ever see things as a kid or? Um, I feel like, I feel like everyone says this these days, but I feel like if I had to, I would classify myself as an empath, but mm-hmm. I feel like everyone says that these days. So I very rarely, am like, you know, I very ever rarely label myself as such, especially because my mom went through such trouble to sort of sever that link. Um, Cause like some of my other cousins have had experiences with the paranormal themselves I personally except for when we were little I haven't really experienced anything and because of my mom's sort of like apprehension I've never I've 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 steered clear (laughs) of anything of the sort um you know out of of respect for my mom and also to like you know heed her warnings because she's always been very like be careful yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, listen to her. Mm-hmm. And I'd also, say. yeah, just as someone who has a lot of experience in it, um, sometimes chasing it will bring it back to you. So I'm sure your mom has said that too. Yeah. And so, yeah, chasing it will bring it back. So maybe just leave that one. Just write a comic about it and publish it at some yeah. far off time in the future. <laughs> so we- is the idea of water that it's cleansing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering why the fire. To think, yeah, it's just in the movies. You always assume they always burn it. <laughs> yeah. So why burn not go down? <laughs> I feel like I feel like, especially here, I, and I guess in in most island nation nations, because um, I'm in the Dominican Republic right now. I I feel like we have this reverence of the ocean, this sort of unspoken acknowledgement that there is power in the ocean I, I i don't know i've i've never experienced this with experienced this talking to other folks um that aren't from the islands or from an island nation it's sort of like this unspoken like like reverence for the ocean and i think something in that spoke to my mom i think we have that sort of link to the water mm-hmm. but i think that's that's why yeah. She's like, I know the ocean will take care of me as long as I get this picture there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. And that is also why I don't go in the ocean only up to my calves. Because <laughs> it's terrifying in there. <laughs> it can be. But honestly, I, I love the ocean. Like, you know when you swim and you can't see your feet anymore? Oh, no. Oh, no, too scary. Too scary. Too scary. <laughs> I like looking at it. It's so fun to float in the ocean and look down with your goggles and you're over a coral reef and it's like down Mm -mm. several Mm -mm. dozen feet Mm -mm. and then you see your friend who's scuba diving Mm -mm. swim all the way at the bottom about 30 feet down. It's really dark and they just kind of look like a mermaid. No, (laughs) I don't. So the last time I floated in the ocean, it was in Cabo San Lucas and my brother was swimming and having all fun. Jenny, just lay back and, you know, float. As soon as I did that, a wave came and slapped me right in the face and almost killed me. So no. <laughs> and I almost drowned when I was in Florida this past week on oh a gosh. stupid 
ride in Volcano Bay. It was a little rough. I even had a life jacket on and the stupid thing just went, took me right under and I, I couldn't breathe there for a second. So no, water is my enemy. <laughs> okay. So you're definitely a fire type. I do. Yes. But I do like looking at the ocean. It is very beautiful. And I like taking pictures of it. <laughs> yeah. Off my rant. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just funny. I'm just imagining you on a like a, a Disney ride with a life jacket, a wave going. It was. And you're like, it was <laughs> so they had two lazy rivers, right? One where you could just sit in an inner tube and float and be peaceful. And another one was kind of more rapid, but it really wasn't that fast. But if you wanted to put your feet down, you'd have to run. And at the end of it, they've got the little waves going and I just got sucked to the sign and one just took me right now. I even lost my hat. Some kid had to grab my hat for me. Aww. And I'm like, it scared me. Cause I have, a, I have a big fear of drowning always have. And, and I'm like, if I can't even go to a Disney resort and come out alive, <laughs> I need to stay out of the pool or at least only go up to my waist. There's no, mm-mm. I, I'm so sorry you had such a traumatic time on the lazy. Oh, it's fine. I still had fun. You know what? I went and did or, did it again. I'm like, you you are not going to get the best of me, water. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you tell it. So I did. Yeah, I did. You tell and it. It didn't get it. Didn't get me. So I'm here. I'm still here. I think. I don't think <laughs> yeah. I'm a ghost. No, we're not using a Ouija board to contact you. Okay. Oh, yeah, or thousand rods. Yeah, my brother-in-law said you're going to get a Viking funeral, Jenny. We're not shipping you home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my cat keeps muting me. I think he's trying to tell me something. So. Sorry, tangent. Maybe we should consult the magic eight ball. Yes. Oh, we go. We do. We do need to bring it. Like- you know, the thing that's bad about this thing is that, um, you know, I now it could be just be get, getting old, but I remember the magic eight ball that I had as a kid was much easier to read than this thing is. Like I need to have like a supernova to read this thing. <laughs> and it also doesn't balance as well as the ones as a kid, you know. Oh, is this a pro- brand new one? This is a brand new one that I ordered specially to take a picture for um, the book, which I haven't taken oh, yet. Wow. Well, Jen's going to be taking the picture. Um, but, you know, I felt like I had to have it as a... Um, you know, memento while I worked on illustrating my story. Hmm. I just had an idea for your picture, Christina. You should be holding it up like Shakespeare holds the skull. Like a last poor poor York. Yes. Yes. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Or get three and do the labyrinth pose. (gasps) How do we? Choices. About that one. Mm. Okay. So we're going to have to find you tight pants, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I broke Jen. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking of the David Bowie hair and you could tease it up, have it all spiky. You could put colored contents. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm not doing that. Oh, Oh, that's that's actually, that's actually, that's one thing we didn't talk to Aziza about is you do a lot of cosplay and you have some amazing outfits and I was curious if you like, do you make them yourself or uh, how does the, because you you do some great photo shoots, like almost every weekend. But it's really, is, is that all part of the uh, stuff with airship Ashanti? Did I pronounce it wrong? It right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, it, it's a mix actually. Some stuff I buy, some t- stuff I actually do sew myself, but 
all the costumes are pretty, um, I designed them on my own just to, I'm also short. I'm a hobbit. I'm 4'11". Trying <laughs> to make sure everything actually fits. And is My kind! Yes! We're <laughs> <in> the same. <laughs> You've never met in person yet because of the plague, but yeah. when you meet each other, <laughs> it'll be eye to eye. Yes! <laughs> the plague. <laughs> but um, yeah, Airship Ashanti does cosplays all the time. We do group cosplays. And then... um. I do the the specific ones for um, just for Black Bay Day and then for Afropocalypse and Biopic Vamp Day and it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, if I have time, things are kind of crazy, but I was considering doing some cosplays for the Cabin of Curiosities, but I didn't want to promise anything. Oh, that would be I, super awesome! That would be really nice. I have a flapper dress, of course. <gasps> <laughs> And I also ordered a magic ball. So um, I might I might be able to bust out a couple of cosplays this month in honor of the Kickstarter, which I'm really oh, excited. Oh, that is super awesome! Yeah, I mean, that that might be the best thing ever. Uh, yeah. Now, what got you into cosplay, and and is it related at all into? Because did you do cosplay before you were do, writing comics? Like, I mean, it seems yeah. like one would segue kind of into the other, like the storytelling and stuff that you do with. Um, not as much as you would think. I think it's starting to blend a bit more. Like I've seen like cosplay comic day, which is awesome. So people will cosplay comic characters. Um, honestly, I, I got into steampunk about almost seven or eight years ago because of the costumes. I just thought it was beautiful. And, um, also I'm a big anime and video game fan. So being able to cosplay your favorite character, do steampunk before I knew it, I found like a group of friends and we were all into anime video games and, and dressing up and now we we've been doing it for about seven years which is airship ashanti um and we do steampunk attire to you know get attention for our philanthropy events and also just because why not dress up like i wear normal clothes every day <laughs> so on the weekend why not have a corset on and like a bustle um and then also we just do cosplays like group cosplays from certain shows or video games that we like and it's just been a great time. We do about five costumes a year together. And um, honestly, the, it, it, it had nothing to do with comics. But I re- remember realizing, oh, like I might be able to pull off the Kaiman. Like, can I cosplay the Kaiman? And trust me, if it ever happens, you will see a picture. <laughs> I have bits and pieces for it. it but it's a, there's a tail and body paint. And that's a like a three-hour process probably to get something like that made and and created but yeah they're they're separate but they I definitely intend on using the cosplay <laughs> with the comics at some point I mean it, it, it's so cool and I actually love of steampunk because I think I think the reason why people respond and that was one thing I loved about my comic takes place in the 20s and I think there's something about that time in the late 1800s like the the design was so fun to draw so many like details and crinkly edges and I mean I love that there was a time when they designed a factory that they actually hired a stone cutter to do little sculptures all over it and stuff like that and you know it, it just seems like now everything is just I think it's part of the not only mid-century modern but people just want to you know make things super cheap and super simple you know Ikea yeah. um comes to mind and um you know it, it just it just there's a there's a, it seems like the, the making something really cool is not as much 
you know, part of the creative brief for designers. I, I went to school for industrial design and it feels like there's nothing that's designed to look cool anymore. It's like sort of the, you know, you look at an iPhone and it's just a little rectangle, you know, yeah. it's not. And I think that's why people respond to steampunk because there's a time like where everything had all these levers and, and dials and not only that, but it had like carving in it. And, you know, it's just so cool. And so um, I think it's, it's so interesting seeing all the costumes from it. And I think it's just, you know, I, I kind of wish there would be a revolution where people kind of dressed. Why not dress, you know, more steampunk in daily life, oh, you know? I'm surprised it's not here already. I want to wear a ball gown just around town for no apparent reason. <laughs> Do it. No, no one's stopping you. Well, I might look a little crazy, but I guess I shouldn't care. So, um, sorry. Dramatically, <laughs> dramatically changing the subject. Do you yeah. have uh, what is your next cosplay event? What are you planning for now? Um, actually, I think we're kind of done for the season. Normally, oh. it would be Halloween, but with the plague. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this would be like your time normally, but yeah, all parties are probably off. It could be a steampunk plague doctor. I was just thinking that. Yes. I considered that. The masks are quite difficult to make, um, but there are plenty of them at the Ren Fair. So honestly, I might dress up for the Ren Fair a couple of times. So the Ren Fair has ma plague masks? I'm sure someone somewhere is selling them. Yeah, that's them. probably true. That's well, you know, true. there was the plague during that time. So and, and I think I saw one at Hollywood Studios or no, Universal. They had, because they're doing their Halloween. Um, yeah. That would be nice. Right oh, yeah. They had a mask similar there. Mm -hmm. And Lex, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> how long are you in the uh, visiting your family in the Dominican Republic? Um, I should be back home soon. I was also um, fun story. It's actually cheaper for me to come here and see the doctor without insurance than it is for me to see the doctor over there with insurance. Oh my so gosh! Agreed. I've actually been. Um, you know, my parents were like, you know, take the opportunity that you're there, go to the doctor, get that out of the way. So um, I told Jesus this, I've been going to the doctors, getting stuff uh, checked out, making sure everything's fine because I have oh, a few pre-existing conditions. So it's kind of taking care of that. Um, that's all taken care of. So I should be back, hopefully, fingers crossed, before Halloween. So like in a few weeks. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've, I've heard Is it hard really to come back? Um, it is like, I was sitting here like, oh, man, I want to spend Christmas here because so, my, we have a family cabin up in the mountains and usually Aww. for Christmas, we all go to the family cabin. There's no cell phone service, no nothing. Like it's just the family and you know, the wilderness. And there's like a yeah. river that we like hike together as a family. Aww, like, this is really nice. Yeah, it's really cute. That sounds like, like heaven. Yeah. Like, it sounds like the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> except except you're kind of on the equator there, so it's quite warm uh, at Christmas, um, right? Yeah, but because the mountains are quite high, it's oh, actually then it's cooler, really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, it's like, it's perfect. Like, during the day, it's like 70 degrees is the hottest it'll get. Wow. And then at night, it could, it could drop to like up to 40 degrees. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Yeah, I've yeah, heard the oh beaches are really wonderful there. I, I I'd love to see it sometime. <laughs> I know. It yes, just really definitely cool. come. Yes. <laughs> no, the beaches here are on another level. 
like um, on another level the sand is like you you rarely see i've yet to see a rocky beach like the sand is always super soft Aww. like either white mm-hmm. or like super like light beige and you can almost always unless it there's been a storm and there's like a lot of debris in the ocean you can almost always see your feet in the water oh like, wow like, like, you can swim safely jen <laughs> again up to my calves or waist this is further a lot of these beaches are actually pretty shallow so like for for okay. a, a big chunk of the beach will actually be shallow and it won't really drop for like okay a while yeah, yeah. Well, mexico was not like that it that part of the ocean that it was scary because mm-hmm. they had warnings like there was a guy on one of the little tour boats he goes he's like are you okay i'm like i think so like i couldn't it was awful. It was not a great experience. Oh, no. But I want to. I want to go experience your beach. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I, no, I mean, there's nice beaches. I, I, I do. People snorkel a lot there too. Are there any corals there? There around yeah. that area? Because because that, that seems like that would be. I, I went to Costa Rica a few years ago, and and we did some snorkeling, and it was really cool to see. We saw a moray, or not? We saw a, like what an eel coming out of its little like like you know, it was so neat seeing all the fish and the the yeah. and stuff and and um and then there was like as, as our boat went through we saw little dolphins going and it was just so cool i, I mean it would it would be really i was always a better swimmer i whales actually come here during really? their yeah so they do um, whale watches and stuff mm-hmm. um nice. specifically in a part of the island called samana that's where the whales go to yeah, that, that's my favorite part of the island, Samana. To me, I think that's like the most beautiful part of the island. It's, it's like a little straight that kind of just pokes out of the island. It looks like a oh, little cool. arm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's cool. And to me, that's the most, like, if you guys go anywhere, go there. I think that's the most beautiful part of the island. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you, you're, yeah. we've not been able to travel for so long, and it's like, man, I wish I you could be there now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I don't want to leave. Uh, I don't want to leave. Winter. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. Well, it's back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great having you all on the show and hearing about your process of the story, and hopefully, our Kickstarter will fund really fast. And, um, you know, I'm not going to mention it now because by the time this airs, we're going to be airing at midnight tomorrow. But um, I think we've done really well today. So, um, you know, I'm really excited for you all to be a part of it. And, um, you know, I think, you know, one thing we didn't really get into uh, talking about you, but is, is I think Kickstarter is a really exciting platform for publishing now. Um, most of my background's in children's publishing. And I think right now publishing is kind of going through a um, transition because, um, you know, there's hardly any bookstores anymore. Um, you know, COVID has really put a dent into that business. So really the direction that most publishing is going for kids is educational. You know, most titles are more educational. So, you know, the opportunity to work on comics or to work on your own intellectual properties, whether they be for kids or adults, I think Kickstarter is an exciting way to share, um, those with with other people and to sell them because especially like conventions now are still really iffy too because of covid but even before covid like you were sitting at a table with tons of other i don't know if anyone was uh were you at the expo aziza did you go to the comic expo did you have a table there or did you 
we just walked around and fortunately um the duke energy center had a mask mandate so if you were in this inside you had to have a mask on That's and good. they also made the aisles way bigger this year so that you didn't have to be on top of each other but i really liked the way they had the um the hall set up this year because they actually they mixed everything so they didn't have like an artist alley and then like a jeweler's alley so mm -hmm. as you walked around you got a chance to see everyone all the time and it kind of encouraged you to walk and see all of the vendors so that's cool um, i think people said it was a really good turnout and mm -hmm. that it, it went really well this year despite everything so i, th I think as a is a creator i think it's when really exciting way to get your work out there whether even if it's not comics if you decide to start writing novels or short stories or whatever it seems like it's a much better way to get interest in it um you know and get people to buy the books i think what you're going to start seeing with a lot of like fiction nonfiction, is you're going to see more of a hybrid sort of i don't want to say self-publishing mo model but i think that um you're going to be able to you're, you're it's it's just going through a transition that as creators it's a much better way than it was because what you have now is sort of the big publishers are overwhelmed they don't even have time to you know if you had if you got a book deal today with someone no matter what you're writing it might be four or five years before it gets on their list to be released because they you know space out their stuff um, and, you know, that's what I always tell people that want to break into publishing for kids books. It's like, well, even if you had a book deal today, you're not going to see that book for years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unless there's some sort of very timely aspect to it. But for the most part, it's very slow. Um, it's kind of like the argument that big corporations always had, like P&G used to have this thing where like when they would come up with an invention, they would spend all these years testing and marketing it and all this stuff. Meanwhile, some little company would come out with a similar product and undercut them like years before they were ready to reveal it, you know, um, and I, I think that that's kind of what's happening a little bit in publishing. So it's kind of an exciting time uh, for you both to be creators, you know, and hopefully you'll be doing a lot more with your webtoon. And also, um, I, I, are you planning on mostly writing graphic novels, Aziza, or are you thinking about also writing fiction? I think I'm going to stick with graphic novels for now. I like the visual aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually kind of fun when I start trying to think of things. With writing normally, you can kind of gloss over detail, I feel like. And with comics, I, it's a challenge, but I like it. But it's like, if I talk about a glyph, I got to design that glyph. <laughs> it's going to actually look like something <laughs> that I write, you know. And then I have to tell my artist how to write that glyph. So, like, I've actually made up different languages and I've actually made up different like writing systems already. And I have to like, I have it documented out so that when I finally hand it over, it's like, so this is how you make the E. And so, um, wow, so you're like I a J.R.R. Tolkien kind of writer. Yeah. Fed languages. <laughs> and, so cool. Yeah. Know, it is. is cool. You know, it's stuff right. like that is cool to keep track of. Like if you do a Kickstarter and stuff, people love that background stuff, like documenting mm -hmm. that stuff and showing is such interesting um aspects of the creation that you can kind of use as additional content i mean it's really cool yeah and that's probably my biggest um challenge but i'm excited for it is when i finally do a kickstarter like i just i know from talking to everyone it's so much work but i'm hoping with everything that i'm doing if i keep it together i should be able to leverage all of the hard work that i'm doing to kind of like make 
rewards and um yeah and keep it interesting too but yeah i love world building to me is hands down like my favorite part of the writing process outside of drafting the story because it's you can just go out there and make whatever you want which is daunting but at the same time completely awesome so yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd lo- I, I, I'm excited to see as you do more of these uh, sorts of uh, properties and stuff. Uh, so uh, on that note, uh, do you each want to go through your social media? Where can we find your comics, writings, webtoons, all that stuff? Uh, who wants to start? Lex, you want to start and tell us where we can find everything again? Sure. Um, so on Instagram, I am Inky Goober. <laughs> um, it's a SpongeBob reference. Um, uh, my website is fartravelercomics.com, and the Far Traveler Comics also has a separate um, Instagram that's just Far Traveler Comics, and that's where we post lore specific to Fates. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, and other comic ideas that we have that are coming soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's- um, for me, you can find me at um, Aziza, A-Z-I-Z-A, <laughs> T-G-N, um, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, and The Kaiman's Cry is currently on Comixology, um, and The Locket of Device will... I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to do a page-by-page release on Webtoons and then put it all in Comixology, but I'm trying to break into Webtoons because I do think my reader audience is there. Um, as a writer, I had to figure out how that work process works because I can't draw, so kind of have to have all my content first <laughs> and then publish it all out. Um, but yeah, um, Aziza TGN um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, great. Thank you. You want me to take us out? Yep. Let's, let's do the outro and thanks everyone. Yeah. Thank you everyone. Thank you everyone for joining us for another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am Kat Cloco. There's Christina Wald. There is Jen Kohler. And also you can follow us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And don't forget to send us your hometown haunts at hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. For me and everyone else in the, the crew here,